Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. My name is David. And I'm Zach. <laughs> That's my guy, Zach. And um, this is the uh, Star Trek podcast. Um, I've, I wanted to say official, but we're, we're obviously not official. But, you know, one day we will be. One we're day. Heading, we're heading for that one, number one spot. For our, for our listeners, I think we're the official. Aw. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks, guys. <laughs> I know Zach said it, but I know you guys meant it. That's why I said thanks. <laughs> um, and so if you haven't heard our podcast before, we're, we're basically, um, we're reviewing each episode of Star Trek um, in each of the different series variations uh, by Stardate. And today we're inter, or inter, um, what are we doing? We're um, reviewing, that's right, <laughs> I almost said interviewing, we're uh, reviewing the Enterprise Season 1, Episode 11, epi- uh, episode called Cold Front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Stardate 09092151. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the, well, I guess this would be the third episode now outside of outside of Episodes 1 and 2 where we get right back into the temporal cold war and i think this is the the thing that drew zach in initially to this series this, was it not it definitely was i remember the first time i saw this one you know cuz you kind of have like an inkling of it but by the time i yeah. got to this one i was like oh my god i never even considered this right you know what i mean and it's so weird that they go eight episodes without referencing this again you know Um, well yeah well think about next generation how long they took to re-reference the borg like it was few and far between you know and q too exactly yeah so this really stuck to that old style of yeah trek storytelling so for a little summary for this episode um 
while the Enterprise is out on a trek amongst the stars, um, they find a ship inside of a stellar nursery, and uh, the ship has on board a bunch of pilgrims who are waiting in... Pilgrim? Pilgrim. Uh, waiting an event termed the Great Plume of Agasoria. And uh, basically what this is, is every 11 years or so, uh, there's a protostar in the interstellar nursery, and it emits a, new, a neutron blast. And for some reason or another, the pilgrims from this species, I think they're... I looked them up online. I think they're called the Borathans. Um, mm. They consider this sacred somehow um i think I would, in, their, in their holy text they say that it's a uh the birth of the galaxy happened here okay so that's that's what they that's how they rationalize it which is why the plume of agasoria is a uh visual component of like that rebirth right. every every 11 years interesting now, the question I would have about that is, how did they discover that? Did they discover it when they initially went trekking amongst the stars? Did they have a telescope back in their homeworld that they witnessed it from? Um, how did they discover this great plume of hmm. Agasoria? Well, let me pause it. So, these Borethans? Borethans? Borethans, I believe. Okay. Yeah. These Borethans. Mm-hmm. Their god must have contacted them through some sort of official means to let them know that at this location is the center of their galaxy, and that's why. Because you want to know why, David? Do you want to know why? why they know that? Did they have faith of the heart? Because they got faith of the heart, dude. Okay. <laughs> is that where you're going? That's exactly where I'm going. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was a long road for them getting from there to here, and now that they're there... Their time is finally here. Their time every is finally here. Every 11 years. Every 11 years, <laughs> you know, because they've got faith. They've got, they've got, they've got faith. Faith of the heart. There you go. So, as a gesture of goodwill, Archer uh, welcomes them on board. Uh, while they're on board, a um, something happens, and uh, one of the pilgrims disconnects a component in the engine room. And uh, miraculously, this this saves the engine later because they they enter the stellar interstellar uh, nursery, and it causes a a chain of explosions in the engine room. And because the the pilgrim disconnected that thing from the engine, it saved them from blowing up the entire ship, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Archer's baffled by this, and he he wants to find out who did it. And um, as he's going to find out who did it. A crewman named Daniels pulls him aside and uh, unveil unveils uh, quite a few things. Yeah. So, you know, I find uh, you can see how stoked Archer is inviting these pilgrims aboard. Yeah. Hey, Captain, we're from Earth. <laughs> you know, it's like. You're the only. You guys are the only ones who are stoked about that, but I get it. Um, dad's, and then Dad's you know. out trimming the hedges, and he sees the neighbors, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you come over for?" Heidi ho, neighbor! We got beers dinner. and carne asada going. <laughs> the grill's open. Baseball season. Yeah. Um. And so, so yeah, one of the pilgrims, as it turns out, you think might be uh 
the Suliban based on the cold open of this episode mm -hmm. where the masks, not the masks, but the image of a man is taking away a uh, enhancement, enhancement uh, from Silic. And this is the first time you hear that his name is Silic. Yeah. Um, uh, because he fucked up in the first episode, one or first second, first, first second, second episode, yeah, uh, about killing the bringing the Klingon to Kronos, killing him or whatever. And so, uh, uh, in in watching this episode a second time, you really notice how much they focus on that pilgrim mm -hmm. and Daniels throughout the episode until they reveal who they are. Yeah, you know, and so that there pilgrim. Is, go ahead. There is a scene early on where you know the pilgrims are entering the the space the starship, and you know right as it's like shifting between scenes and they do like kind of the interlude music, mm -hmm. they just catch that one pilgrim's face, mm -hmm. and like for like three seconds, and you're like, why did they do that? And then later on, you you learn that it's it's Silic. That's that guy, <laughs> yeah. And so he pulls like a power conduit and stops some sort of yeah. Chain relay explosion. chain explosion in the thing and i have a theory that he did that to mentally pose a sense of friendship with archer okay you know because it's like i'm here for you buddy right i saved the ship and it's like why would well, i do that if i'm trying to kill you yeah exactly you know and i think a good person on the temporal cold war side like daniels mm -hmm. who ends up revealing himself as being from like the 31st century mm -hmm. um i don't think he would literally suffer through being with pink skins <laughs> you know uh if he wasn't a good guy yeah totally um one of the so there's two things about daniel's appearance that i call into question the mm -hmm. first is that Okay, so Silic basically saves the Enterprise from exploding. And mm -hmm. um, Archer asks Daniels when they're meeting in his quarters, he says, so what would have happened if if Silic didn't save us? Would my ship have blown up? Mm -hmm. And Daniels says, not necessarily. Or he says something to that effect. So my question is, if that explosion went all the way to the through the reactor... Would it have blown up the ship? Um, in other timelines, is NX-01 Enterprise the first one, just a failed experiment where it blows up in a interstellar nursery, um, and they're just some forgotten memory? I think they would have. I think they would have fixed it. So this is this is like a Pandora's box of mm -hmm. ideas. So. Yeah, I think the under the underlying notion in Star Trek is is that all timelines are happening at the same time, mm -hmm. and you know we happen to only watch the prime timeline. Okay, but at any point, you could be in a different one because I think they subscribe to the multiverse sort of string theory. Okay, uh, variation of like energy fields if you will or different timelines Interesting. and so it is not necessarily but you'll find out later eventually they go to a mirror universe mm -hmm. um and so it's like I, I imagine in in canon archer mm -hmm. is a revered captain 
right. they do a lot of things. Archer's very pivotal to the creation of the Federation. And so mm-hmm. in the prime timeline, you assume that if you watch it, it's the prime timeline. So you assume that our Archer will be the one who brings forward the Federation. Okay. So when Daniel says that, I think he means, well, I mean, in other ones. Right. Archer dies because he as there's mul- there's can in- go. There's infinite variations on the timeline. Yeah. Okay. See, I, now what I was thinking is, okay, maybe they could get around that by saying that, um, you know, because of because of the Sullivan in this in this timeline, you know, the, mm. the first episode, that changed the course of history, and so. So Fair. it's basically it's like the old it's like the old uh, allegory when they talk about changing history. Like, hey, if you ever go back in history, don't step on a cockroach because that could mean in a million years that there's giant cockroach warlords that like kill mm-hmm. humans. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe because of the Solobon presence in the first and second episode, it changed the course of that history to where that enterprise goes into that part of the of the of the interstellar uh nursery and you know basically undergoes that plasma storm that almost blows up their 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 engine but in other timelines had the solobon not been present that would have never happened Mm -hmm. that that was my thinking at least of, of how maybe you could rationalize that yeah i think they i think it's officially described as a predestination paradox or time loop uh, which is a phenomenon in which an event of time travel could become a part of events which had already occurred and mm-hmm. could even lead to the initial event of time travel in the first place. Right. So, yeah, I um, agree. Yeah. So that so that was my that was the first thing I wanted to address. The second thing I wanted to address is Archer asked Daniel asks Daniels if he's human. And Daniel says that he's more or more less. Or less. Human. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, later in the episode, uh, Silic um, confronts Archer in, in his quarters. He finds out who the agent is, and he goes and kills Daniels. And so yeah. when, he sh- when he shoots Daniels, there's that weird scene where he's kind of like phasing in between dimensions, I guess, and then he just kind of explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if they did that as like, he's like maybe like an advanced android, or maybe he's... Um, Maybe he just died that way because he's an interdimensional traveler. Or, um, yeah. I so I, I just I don't know what he means by when he says he's more or less human. Like, I mean, I don't I don't know if nine hundred years in the grand scheme of evolution is really consequential, and I don't really know if if humans would have evolved much true, more. True, true. But, but I do think the notion that. Uh, technology could have advanced a shitload 900 years right so much so that time travel has so maybe he is some sort of uh combination of things Mm -hmm. you know and maybe time travel has something to do with it not to give too much away to you but human part borg yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's not dead he's dead now okay but he's not dead where he's from okay interesting you know yeah i think this i think the sulabon have a rudimentary concept on temporal mechanics okay you know and so i think he he literally phases out of the timeline now okay but he so maybe i'm asking too many questions 
about this. <laughs> no, I, I I think they're good. They they purposely yeah. left that more or less in for okay. this purpose. So, well, then it just means I'm watching it critically because I did notice that. <laughs> and that's what you get on the yeah. Star Companion. That's right. You Critical get takes. takes. You get hot takes. Hot scoops. takes and hot cakes. <laughs> um. Yeah, what a great open. And yeah. furthermore, so this is the first uh, instance that they talk about the movie night on the ship. Yeah. And it totally becomes a thing. And uh, I would watch the shit out of Night of the Killer Androids. Oh, yeah. I'd watch with, that. And you, could you imagine having like a projector with like windows out to space on either side? And like maybe oh, nice. some, like, some like dim lighting above the projector, how dope that would look on a starship. Have you seen an episode where they do that? The uh, movie? No, I haven't. Is okay. that what happens? Well, that sounds a lot doper than it is. It's oh, literally okay. <laughs> like a classroom. They, in the mess hall, they put a projector up. Okay, cool. It's like, oh, uh, all right. didn't figure that one out, did we? <laughs> it's like getting an REA, REI tent when you you know sleep on another planet, of course. That was like the last thing that they, they put on the ship. Okay, we got... We got toilet paper we got towels and right as they're walking on the ship oh shit the projector and they just run off and like just have like a <laughs> shitty little nikon yeah and, and they projector. got a screen you know <laughs> skip butcher paper it's fine yeah. <laughs> um you know so yeah so it's the first episode of daniels the first time mm-hmm. they mentioned silic mm-hmm. first mention of the movie night yeah by name um and uh first appearance of T'Pol's disbelief in time travel based on the Vulcan science directorate's conclusions. Right. Um, both the temporal observatory and the phasing device are lost in this episode, but Daniels's temporal database remains to be used in later episodes. That's what? right. What? What? Yeah, I've, um, I didn't I didn't ever finish the summary, so I think the last Sorry. place I left off is... Daniels gets killed by Silic, and and Silic manages to steal some technology from his from his quarters. Mm-hmm. And Archer goes to find him, and also finds a piece of equipment of of Daniels that allows him to kind of phase through walls mm-hmm. with his with some sort of hand device, which is dope. Um, <laughs> yeah, and in a very tense sequence of scenes, there's there's a there's a fight, and then. Silic tries to escape and Archer chases him down and right as Silic thinks he's getting away, Archer shoots the device that he's trying to steal out of his hands and mm-hmm. uh Silic jumps through a floor in a shuttle bay and lands on a solobound uh sphere. Transport sphere, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so this is the first episode to not feature a shuttle pod. Brilliant. Interesting. It was pretty contained in uh, yeah, just that, Enterprise. That does make sense. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of nice, you know. There's mm-hmm. some, and they got to meet aliens still. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of real, honest to God, like interaction mm-hmm. of crew ideas. You know, you see a little bit Mayweather's stoked to get in the captain's chair. Mm-hmm. Oshisato, Joseito, Examon, Breed's mm-hmm. doing his. I'm British military man you know dad says looks like we're having some guests yes dog <laughs> everyone was on the ship and saw him 
<laughs> Everyone was there for that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Phlox again establishing that he's the cutest member of this yeah. crew by going over and spending a night with the Borathans mm-hmm. and then coming back. And they ask him to recite the yeah. chant. And he like almost <laughs> tears up. Like he he's so... I'm in Flox's corner, man. That that dude is that dude is what's up. Flox is in fact the man. Yeah. He's the man. He really he, is. I would say thus far he's probably my favorite character. 100%. Um, he just adds so much and his character is so dynamic and you know he, he he's just a the guy who plays him is just a great actor. He he fits that role perfectly just the way that Archer mm-hmm. or that uh Bacula yeah, fits the role of dad. Uh, there Archer. it is. Yeah. <laughs> He's the data of this series. Yeah. Yeah, he is. In my mind. Smart, like unbelievably smart, but also mm-hmm. childlike and innocent and, and you know, has a sense of wonder. Yeah. It's the wonder mm-hmm. for me. It's like, okay, he wants to learn. He wants to be a part of this. Yeah. He doesn't fully understand what's going on, but wants to figure it out. Yeah. Um. You know, I I like that. You know, there's some sort of allegorical representation of the renewal of Agasoria mm-hmm. and the renewal of this temporal Cold War and roles on Enterprise and you know the gravity of or lack thereof space mm-hmm. joke <laughs> and uh, in. In their mission, you know. Right. So it's it's a good episode. Like, through and through, it's it's cool. And a fun fact of this episode, um, I know we've discussed it in previous in previous episodes, uh, it's directed by the guy who plays Lieutenant Tom Paris in Voyager. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And I think we talked about it last episode where we were saying that the great thing about Star Trek is that they bring back cast members to direct those episodes and mm-hmm. you know each one brings their aesthetic. This is the first one I've seen that he directed and I don't know if he directs anymore but it'd be it's going to be interesting to see if he directs anymore what his aesthetic is, you know. Yeah, um, actually yeah. This was a really writing heavy episode though, so I don't know really how much he could put his own spin on because this is reestablishing that temporal cold war again. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'd just be interested to see if he, he does any more in the future. Yeah, me too. But, I had no idea. Paris is an interesting character. I, is he? Yeah. He's a uh, ex-Starfleet, then joins the Maquis, and then leaves the Maquis and then betrays him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He's quite the snake. <laughs> but I haven't gotten far enough in Voyager to really understand his plot arc but right. he's a good character alright well fascinating um, the last thing I wanted to say is I really like and this is just kind of just I don't, I don't know why I really like it but I just thought it was such a cool scene when they place the lock on Daniel's quarters mm-hmm. at the end you know when Reed and his little security detail place that giant space lock mm-hmm. on his quarters and they kind of look at each other and kind of nod and they walk away and then there's just kind of a slow pan up to the door, and then it just kind of fades out to the credits. Mm. Uh, that that mo that moment just had such good like tense. I want to say tensity, but um, intensity maybe to it. 
you know, because it, it's like, who was this guy? Uh, yeah. What else is in his quarters? Um, yeah. If he wouldn't have gotten shot, what would have happened? Um, you know, like there's a lot of it. There's a lot of what ifs. Op- yeah, what ifs, and that's great television to me. I love, love, love when a television television show leaves things unanswered. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's a folly of, or maybe not a, the folly, but I've noticed in a lot of modern TV, like especially over the last couple of years, whenever there's uh, conflict in an episode, it, it generally tends to get resolved in that episode. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like it condenses plot too much. Um, I really mm-hmm. enjoy when when uh, shows drag out the the resolving of a conflict over a couple of different episodes. Oh yeah, and trust it's probably gonna be like eight, eight really? to ten. Yeah, nice. Yeah, they do a lot of monster of the weeks until they start tying up more of these, and then. Perfect. Seasons three to four get pedal to the metal. Yeah. And then they throw in that Zindi storyline mixed with this temporal Cold War. Yeah. So. I can't need, wait for that. Needless to say, that what if is valid. I have a, uh, I guess maybe a somewhat funny anecdote or aside about that. Um, did you ever watch the show Glee? No. Okay. Well, I watched the first like two epi- two seasons, I'd say. Oh wow. And the fir- the first season of of Glee was actually really really good because the whole season was about this the music teacher for Glee. He's married to this woman and she f- she fakes that she's pregnant. She wears like this like pregnancy like stomach mm-hmm. she wears like a pillow on her stomach and pretends that she's pregnant. And the whole episode, it's building up to this moment where he reveals that she's not pregnant and they get in this like massive fight and he like leaves her. And, you know, it's like that whole build up, that whole season was really good. Mm-hmm. And then the second season came around and they would have conflicts and they just resolve it in the same episode. And um, Stranger Things kind of went the same way. Um, I don't know if you saw the second season of Stranger Things, but the first season of Stranger Things is all about oh my god what's gonna happen next the second season of stranger things has a little bit of that but there's like many conflicts that they resolve in each of the episodes so uh, i know i'm kind of rehashing the same point but um, that's okay that's that's just i mean this is, again it's just something that i love that star trek does yeah wow yeah those are good points thanks i try to make a few you make many oh yeah thanks we're guys. friends yeah thanks, guys they said that too they said that but you meant it well yeah. they meant it but you said it yeah so. i'm just a conduit for the people yeah. <laughs> um all right well <laughs> this has been the star companion trekking yeah. through trek thanks for listening catch us everywhere that's right and uh take care of yourself everybody take care of yourself that's what it was
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.